So welcome to our spoiler review. We have me, Logan, of Star Wars Doctrine. We got our girl, Mallory, of Analyzing Star Wars. And of course, this was Season 2, Episode 6, also known as Chapter 14. Very exciting stuff. If you have not seen it, leave. Or if you just really want to see spoilers, that's your own call. Whatever works for you. <laughs> Actually, my girlfriend stayed up and watched this and then watched it. She was like, it was kind of fun. I knew what was going on. You know, got a nice summary before heading in. I was like, whatever works for you. I'd have hated to watch this first. But here come the spoilers, starting with our quick review. And here's what happens. It is called The Tragedy. So if that doesn't make you sad enough just to begin with, like, I don't really know what you're expecting from this episode. They go to Tython. Like, we're, like, watching. We're, like, what's going to happen? Are they going to actually make it to Tython? Or is there, like, we're going to get a stop-off episode? Because Cara Dune is, you know, on the cover. So maybe we're going to stop off first. <gasps> no, literally, first, like, second. It's, like, welcome to Tython. And you're, like, oh. <laughs> There's up that question. They get to Tython. It looks very cool. It does look a little more um, earthy. I mean, you might be able to see. I know Mallory was talking about it. It was, like, filmed in California. So they get there. It looks really cool. I'll pull up some pictures on my PC so everyone can see. Um, some shots from the Old Republic, Star Wars The Old Republic game, that show what Tython looks like. And so we can kind of get a cool comparison. But they go to the Tython, they put Baby Yoda on a magic rock, and Mando's like, do something. And then Baby Yoda actually starts to do something. And I can't even quite describe it accurately. Giant beam, force beam, force wall, force shield. There's ray shields. I don't know. General Grievous was activating ray shields. I have no idea what's going on. But Baby Yoda was clearly reaching out through the force which is really cool because I was kind of, I was really worried. We'll get to that. But I was really worried that, you know, he wasn't, he was going to like, you know, reserve himself. And that would have been, I feel like, a lame way to end the story arc. But we'll get to that in a moment. And then all of a sudden, out of freaking nowhere, the Slave One drives across the freaking space. And you're like, oh my gosh. So guess who jumps out? Holy hell, Boba Fett. Right? What? <laughs> like, what? And then... We have <laughs> Mulan. Ever. Mulan jumps out too. What's her name? Ferric? Something like that, right? Fennec. Fennec. There you go. Fennec Shan. That sounds right. We'll double check. She jumps out. She's partying with the Boba Fett. And if you didn't believe us, haha, we were right because we called that on our episode review in, you know, chapter five, I think. But, anyways, that's what happens. And then, of course, Moff Gideon shows up like an asshole and brings a bunch of stormtroopers with him. One of the most badass fighting sequences of all of Star Wars, maybe. I mean, lightsabers are cool, but, like, that was freaking badass. Followed by someone stealing the child. But, I mean, hey, I guess, you know, dark troopers, dark troopers are real. But that's pretty much how it ends, is freaking Baby Yoda throws some stormtroopers around with force... And they chain him up. Oh, and then they go, and they're apparently going to get Bill Burr out of prison. Mayfield is his Star Wars name. So, now that we've done our overarching... Oh, and the Razor Crest get bl gets blown up. Just, like, gone. Minus, of course, the ball, because Dave wants you to cry. I cried. Mallory actually, I think, cried, yeah. Cry. So, Dave and John are tools. But... Okay, so I guess I want to start with the concept we got to Tython, right? Wait, that was yeah, exciting. I, mean, I want to start, I want to start. Okay, you go, Mallory. Okay, let me just point out, I freaking called it. I freaking called it. She was dealing with some dissenters on her page, I guess, about people not believing her that 
we're going to go to Tython. Hey, so I'm in this whole group chat with like 10 other Star Wars accounts. And they're all saying, no, probably not. I think it's going to be another journey filler episode. And I'm like, right, no, right. they're going to go to Tython. And as soon as they get to the, the temple, Empire's going to show up. That's what's going to happen. Right. And pretty much, it's pretty much like Mallory wrote the episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she did call it. Writing it. Um, I'm not surprised we didn't see a Jedi. I didn't really think we would, but, um, yeah. I guess I kind of want to go with the concept. So we get we have a really cute kind of sweet scene where I think you can tell Mando struggling with the concept of actually getting rid of Baby Yoda, like the concept that they might actually have to separate. And I think that's what he's mad about. Because he has the ball up, he takes the ball from Baby Yoda and is like, hey, force it again. And Baby Yoda actually you know, proceeds to force it to himself. And he says, dang, Ferric, which has actually been quite the theme through this season. It's been kind of fun actually catching. We're definitely trying to make that swear word in Star Wars catch on. But I think he's upset that he's like, he, he says he's not strong enough. And I think he's upset that he wasn't able to hold on to the ball at all. Does that make sense? You, you know, I, what do you mean? Because he held it, holds it out for him, and Baby Yoda just rips it from his hands, right? And just, you know, perfect catch. And he's mad. He's like, he, he's like you know, he says, dang, Farrakh, he's obviously upset. And I think part, and I think that's because he was like, hey, maybe if I could, you know, help the kid out, if I could train him, you know, if I was strong enough to, you know, he couldn't just easily overpower me, then then maybe if the Jedis are like, no, you will be like, no, nah, you can take care of him because he trusts you, right? But... I think when he realizes Baby Yoda, honestly, at any moment, or I guess Grogu, sorry, at any moment, can do what he wants, I think there's like that realization where he's like, "No, no matter what, I really can't be the guy to train you. If you if you choose to learn the ways of the Force at all, like, it's not it's not me. I have no business doing that. I guess. So I think that's what he was upset about. But I thought it was a very sweet scene, just in general, kind of a cool interaction. Because you could definitely sell he, tell he's upset about the concept of them separating. You know? But, I guess, so we get to Tython. And, did you think Baby Yoda was going to reach out through the Force? Or mm-hmm. Grogu was going to reach out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a little worried that they might end it like that, or not... They would, that's how they would kill the storyline is Baby Yoda or Grogu was going to be like, no, nah, not would actually choose not to reach out through the Force because that was, you know, kind of clearly made an option. And I thought the way that Amanda was kind of driving it, like, hey, you know, if you reach out and they come, you know, you got to go with them. That's the correct thing. You know, you can't, like, go back on that. So I was kind of wondering if maybe Grogu wouldn't. And I was like, I really don't want him to do that. I don't want them to split up, obviously. Like, he's so fetching cute. But beyond that, I just don't, I, I thought that would be a lame way to end it, you know, to be like, well, they got there and he said no, the end, you know, like of the ending, like his like possible connections. And there's so many, there's so many cool things, especially with him being at the temple that I don't want to be wasted. And I, of course, have not let down. So I'm happy with that. But oh, speaking of Tython, I want to pull up some pictures real quick. Or you can go with what you're going to say. No, you can put this first, we notice next. I mean, everyone, like, you were saying it looks like Tython in the Old Republic, but I thought it was like Dantian in court, like, in Kotor. For sure. We were talking about that, I guess, <laughs> during. Yeah, the, during. During the episode. It had a very, I thought it was a cool mix that they're able to kind of have that. Um, but mm-hmm. I did pull up some pictures of Tython that we have on our pic- on the stream right here. So this is a picture of Tython. We know we got a little bit of water. Very rocky. 
So this is from the oh, Star Wars no. The Older Public game, which is where Tython <laughs> yes, is yes. very featured. Well, they can see my screen. So here, wait, watch this. Haha. Boom. Yeah. There's Mallory. So this is a picture from Star Wars The Old Republic game, if you ever played it online. Um, I oh, believe dang. you start out on Dantooine. So we didn't really see much water, but like it definitely felt similar to this, had a very similar vibe. Mm -hmm. And then here's another picture. This is actually the picture of the temple, which I thought was super similar. A little different, right? Because it was more mm -hmm. rocks versus like man-made. But like that's actually super similar. And I thought they did a very good job of that. I was very impressed with that. So fantastic job with that. Yeah, and then, like you said, I mean, that's not the same stone. I mean, that looks like the temple itself. Yeah, and then like what Mallory and I were talking about is in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, or just Knights of the Old Republic, when you go to Dantooine, the temple it has a very kind of urban, uh, not urban, like a very, it has a very like rocky feel, kind of open, where like the Jedi Temple is very, very developed, right on Coruscant. You know, it's very mm -hmm. modern, very particular. Everything's in a certain way where on the Dantooine one, it, it definitely feels more of a part of Earth and honestly not super well kept, which is slightly surprising in general. But like it has like kind of this natural feel that this temple oh. even on so Tython reflects. So yeah, the one on Dantooine has that feeling in KOTOR, but here, even in this picture of from the Old Republic of Tython, it has that, that same vibe, which is cool because they're, I mean, this one's earlier but you know similar eras still mm -hmm. right and then this of course thousands of years later we get to where we see it in mando then this was our last picture that i pulled up this is just one of the caves that you go through uh in star wars field republic but you know kind of get again it's a very rocky um sort of vibe to it and i think you go and find your jedi crystal one of the one of the crystals for your lightsaber here and i think one of the different storylines there's oh, yeah it's like a rock version of uh, what's it called? The Elam Temple. True. And then it does remind me of Dantooine when you go there. There's that one cave in the back corner mm. where you mm -hmm. can get all the other crystals. So they definitely, I think, I think obviously Star Wars Old Republic mimics a lot of the success that KOTOR had and pulls from that. And that's where mm -hmm. you get similar vibes. But I overall was very impressed with how well that was conveyed in The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Especially, especially this shot right here. Yeah, that was impressive. So that was very cool. But jump back here now. But I guess we, um, Baby Yoda reaches out through the Force quite intensely, and Mando has a very stupid, you know, ten minutes where he can't quite get it through his head that he can't reach through the Force field or whatever that Baby Yoda had. And you made a cool connection, of course, that. Of Dick Grover's like his pose and everything. Yeah, it was like Yoda pose. True. It, it definitely had the vibes. Mm -hmm. Very Yoda vibes. But I wanted to say is on the rock it had. Oh, oh yeah. The ancient tongue. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what Ahsoka calls it in Rebels, but it's, it's the ancient tongue. Yeah, in all the Sith temples, which is very cool because you know, I mean, it's freaking everything in this episode is actually very cool. It is very short, which was upsetting, but pretty much every minute of it was freaking fantastic. Yeah, and then 
I thought a really good parallel actually is when he reaches down on the rock, it's like when Ray reached down on the rock in the last Jedi. Mm. That's kind of a cool connection. Like he definitely has like that, like where he, he kind of comes to himself sort of moment and mm-hmm. like actually reaches out through the force. Which is funny because when it, like the entire time, like when they got to the seeing stone, I'm like, I kept watching Luke saying, reach out. Like, right. you know, reach out through the force and then, Going back to Ahsoka, which I said in the last episode, if he reaches out with the Force, like, just that entire reach, I was just, like, in my head the entire time, like, that's True. how he was going to reach out. And then, but when he put his hand on him, I'm like, oh my god, it's like a total, like... He definitely was exactly like what you were saying. He was reaching out. Um, mm-hmm. And then that, he definitely, he has the Yoda pose, and I mean, there's not one time that Yoda does his pose. There's several times, of course. But to me, it, it mimicked a lot of I just, when I think, I guess when I see that pose, I actually think very much of, what do you call it? Of the cl- Attack of the Clones, I guess, when Yoda's, I th- when Anakin's flipping out, murdering a bunch of kid, b- mm. bunch of people, and Yoda's just reaching out, and he, he definitely feels that, that moment that Anakin's going through, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, like, a similar connection, you know, I mean, that's just kind of what I think through, and there's, like, a lot going on, and Mace Windu walks in, right, and and Yoda's probably aware, because Yoda's very attuned to the Force, right, that someone walked in, but at the same point, he's very wrapped up in trying to understand what's happening through the Force, and Baby Yoda was not capable of really seeing or noticing, it seemed, that Mando was yelling at him, that Mando was trying to get him out and stuff like that, because he was so focused on what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, I guess, he clearly reached out through the Force, right? There's a giant freaking beam of light force field whatever right he's clearly reached out through the force for sure now and then there's a question of me like is he like there's a question for a moment is was him reaching out through the force some way of letting go like luke skywalker when chooses to let go of the force right in and i guess the outcomes right so (laughs) for a second that was kind of what i was wondering like okay, is he, you know, kind of giving up on the Force? But the answer was definitely not, because he straight up... Um, throws some stormtroopers around, like, five seconds later. So... Yeah. That was not it. But... So that means... And it's actually... That's an interesting point that you bring up. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because that was something I was wondering. I was like, okay, is, is that him being like, you know what? I'm gonna give this all up to be with Mando. And then obviously it wasn't, because straight up crushes those stormtroopers i was just using it for fun yeah and i think it seemed like it was coming a lot easier than before i mean it still mm-hmm. tires him out heavily but i think he's definitely kind of you know like cal kestis he's kind of rekindled his connection with the force you know things are coming back easier not as hard and having to be work that was a cool moment like in uh fallen order like cal really uses the and force for like the first time force. when he's helping someone right and that huge moment of need is when you know he catches his friend type of deal Mm-hmm. right and then he has to build up to it to use it like normally right mm-hmm. and that seems like what grogu has went through is like you know protecting mando for sure i can do it but that was just him using it and that seems you know he's really made that connection again yeah, i'm really loving all the fallen order and mando just kind of similarities mm-hmm. i mean they're probably some of them are probably intentional, but I think there's more. Mm-hmm. Like, as we just go through and take them out, because I know at least once, at least every episode, 
there's at least one thing right. that we can point out that's similar to Fallen Order, and I really like that, because a lot of the times we see, I mean, we haven't had a game like Fallen Order come out, Right. And if you look at the Battlefront storylines, and they, they don't really touch on those and everything else, mm-hmm. but I really feel like they're going and touching and making everyone aware that the Fallen Order is part of the plotline itself. And right. It's part of the storyline. And it's not something we need to be, like, forgotten about. It's not going to be, like, these Battlefront storylines or anything in KOTOR. And right. Clearly, KOTOR is a little different, different story because of Legends, but they're really making it aware that we're not forgetting about this. This is mm-hmm. in timeline. For sure. And then I pulled up this picture for you, Mallory. Oh, no. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. But I was able to quick snap, snag that for the video. This is what we're talking yeah. about. This is Baby Yoda in his pose, or Grogu in his pose. Sorry if you don't subscribe to the name Baby Yoda anymore. <laughs> um, but there he is, and there's his. There's that writing that we're talking about right here. Of course, it's, it's very it's faint. It's a little... Super, yeah, it's faded. It's definitely faded, but that writing does mimic a lot of what um, Mallory talks about. This ancient text that Ahsoka mentions. Um, you see it? Yeah. Can you explain the episode about that? Pull yes. up a picture of it. You can do either Resistance or Star Wars Rebels, but it's when... You know when it is in Star Wars Rebels, but I wonder at the Sith Temple and Resistance as well. Right, it's in the Malachor Temple writing, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a shot of the writing? Right there. Oh, here you go. That'll work. Yep. Fetching. Whatever. Just bring up this picture big for me, please. You whores. There we go. Alright. There we go. This is Magic. our writing comparison. That's the ancient text. I know how to write in that. It's actually super fun. So there you go. That's... I mean, it's it's definitely harder to see... Um. I quick snapped a shot of my TV to get that. Um, that's obviously why it's a little blurry. But that is one of the things you see. And it's definitely similar. And I think it does pan through a couple different shots of it on the Mandalorian. So that there's clearly some sort of connection. And, I mean, the Sith and Jedi, at the end of the day, are both opposite sides of the same coin where there's the Force is very important. And writing and text, of course, blur together. So it's not necessarily odd to see, you know, like, here we have this as generally we'd call it Sith Temple and Rebels. Right. Followed mm-hmm. by... That's a Jedi Temple. That's oh, is this the one? Jedi the Jedi Temple. temple? On no, this mm-hmm. is the Jedi it's Temple on Lothal, for sure. Mm-hmm. So the writing... And I think the writing's on Malachor is like the exact same, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not weird to see like one or the other if you've like heard. I think a lot of times you talk about the ancient text being more Sith. But... Sorry, you can't even see what I'm pointing at. But I'm no, I can't. Dark. Not a clue. But yeah, they actually have made it a uh, language that you can kind of write in, so it's pretty fun. I mean, yeah, I know. You know, Arabesh and stuff. So Star Wars is, you know, screwing around with you and making you <laughs> read a bunch of yeah, letters. It's actually a journal. Like, you can buy these, like, Jedi and Sith journals at Galaxy's Edge, and it'll give you the alphabet translations for those letters. So for a time, I think my senior year of high school, I was able to fully read and write in that. Sounds like you're a little bored. Yeah. Fair I'd enough. just sit in class, and I'd study it. And then I'd write in conversations with my friend. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. He is cute, Andrew Crash. I 100% agree. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me is, like we said, he definitely reached out. He kept the Force. Cool connection to Cal. But that means kind of what Ahsoka said is, if he reaches out, it it seems to me if he reached out that someone would have felt it. 
right? I don't really mm -hmm. think you're going to be able to run the route and say, nah, someone just, you know, wasn't paying attention. Uh, Cody and I put out a post actually today because we weren't sure if we'd see a Jedi, so we wanted to be extra careful. But we put out a post today saying, who do you think? Who do you think is this moment going to trigger? Now, of course, the obvious guesses, I think, are Ezra, Cal. Ahsoka would be a really stupid guess because she said to come here. That would be really weird if she's like, oh, I'm back, snitches. And you'd be like, why? But, okay. She's potential. She's <laughs> like, why? And then um, Luke Skywalker. Now, I really don't think we'll see Luke Skywalker. That seems very unlikely. Um, mm -hmm. So the other two are, you know, our main options, generally speaking, you know, quick, you know, quick process of elimination. We know these three most likely are alive. Okay, we know Luke's mm -hmm. life, but the other two most yeah. likely are alive. <laughs> um, so... We put out a post today saying, hey, I mean, I know some people are like, Mace Windu's coming back, which I know Mallory and I both hope he's super dead. But um, <laughs> some people watch the Clone Wars and hate Mace Windu is kind of a, a repercussion of seeing his arrogance. Um, but so there's that. And then some people were saying, and there's too many people for me to officially quote them. You know, Cody and I a lot of times will pull quotes from our pages. But we're talking about. What if Qui-Gon Jinn reaches out through the Force? That would be very cool. Obi-Wan Kenobi reaching out through the Force. And I was like, all of those are also very valid possibilities. So, Mallory, who heard this? Who's going to react? There has to be some sort of reaction, right? So who's coming out of retirement? Who's going to make it onto the Mandalorian screen? And I'm not sure we're going to see it maybe until the very end of Episode Eight, even. But who's who's coming? who's coming out? I don't think Luke. I don't really personally think that's an option. I don't think it's going to be Luke either. Because I just... Realistically, everyone would be pissed if they cast someone else as Mark Hamill. That just seems kind of rude. Sebastian Stan. Everyone's kind of rooting for Sebastian Stan. I know. that's been. They've done a really good job showing like how Sebastian Stan could pull off a Luke Skywalker. Um, and I mean, clearly, despite Rosario Dawson's fan art, they got first cast as Ahsoka. Yeah, that somehow worked out. That was kind of cool. Actually, that was a really neat story that they pulled. If you didn't see that, Rosario Dawson actually talked about how the fact that she retweeted something, hashtag Ahsoka lives, that was a fan art of her as Ahsoka, and that somehow came across you know, Dave Filoni's desk, and he was like, all right. <laughs> and that's literally the start of how she was cast as Ahsoka, so that's really cool. So all of you people just fan casting Keanu Reeves as Revan, I mean, first of all, chill the hell out, but... <laughs> but... Maybe. Honestly, I'm not going to answer that. Because I don't want people to come. And as much as I love Ezra, literally love him with my entire heart, I mm -hmm. don't want to see him. Not in this. I don't think Ezra should show up here. I don't actually really like mm -hmm. it. Um, it removes too much of the mystery of what happens post-Rebels, which is, I think, mm -hmm. too, much of a, too much of a big storyline to just kind of glance over. Right. I'm like, you already brought up Thrawn, and I feel like if you bring up Ezra, it's just going to be fan service. Like, we've already got a lot of fan service going on, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I've really liked what they've done with Mandalorian so far. But, I mean, you've already got Boba Fett here. You've got Cobb Vance, Ahsoka Tano, Thrawn. What, you want to throw on Mace Windu, Obi-Wan, Luke? Who else do you want to bring in? Right. Like, I think the problem, I think a lot of times when we talk about fan service, right, is... The beginning of the Mandalorian, it was very simple. There was not, there was fan service through very small acts. You know, there wasn't a mm -hmm. name dropped character that you're like, oh my gosh. But at the same point, you were you know catching small things, subtle ties, and it was very cool. 
but I think the problem is, you know, everyone's worried about fan service. Like, if they just threw Luke Skywalker in, it'd be it'd feel kind of weird. But at the same point, with the so far, I don't think they've done anything unnecessary. Right. And what I mean by that is, even though Ahsoka might feel like, oh, you just wanted to bring Ahsoka into live action, and you know there's a chance they did, but at the same point, once you bring up the Force, which was his thing from the get-go, and obviously it being a species that was similar, there was Yoda species, and that connection that seems to be that all of Yoda species are strong with the Force, once you brought that up, you basically had to bring up certain people, because at the end of the day, that's just how things work, you know? Mm-hmm. There's not that many Jedi. Like, that's always kind of hard to say fan service because fan service has such a negative connotation behind it. Right, of course. And that's not like I'm not saying that I don't like it. I really love what they've done with season two. Mm -hmm. I'm loving every episode. I mean, but I just, if it gets to the point where they're bringing in too many characters, I'm not, it's going to start to feel. It's going to feel a little overladen, right? You know, Mm -hmm. it's going to feel different and i think that so far the coolest thing of the mandalorian is like you know the difference is with the familiarity backdrop not the familiar characters but you mm-hmm. know at the same point like when we brought in the dark saber like that kind of spun into bo katan has to be around somewhere you know they've done a good job of as they've introduced characters it well, only tied back Bo-Katan. to relevant characters you know yeah you know so far we haven't like had like one that you're just like yeah you just kind of threw that in there for fun it's been like these all make sense you know like if they threw Hera in here for some reason that would feel a little like why are we dealing with a new republic and stuff would it be really cool yeah but like we all would know that would be kind of unnecessary right and we all know Hera is pretty high up in the new republic right she wouldn't just be like what's up yeah right no if she's there it's okay what the hell is going on let me fix this shit kind of deal for sure so that's why I actually really like this concept of maybe people reach out to Yoda through, or Baby Yoda, or slash Grogu, whatever, through, what if Yoda reaches out to him? It'd be so cute. See, there was a that would kill my soul. Episode, I'd be so yeah, sad in the last and happy episode, in a weird way. In the last episode, there's a moment where Ahsoka mentions Yoda. Yeah, right? I pointed out. You can and hear his theme. Gro- yes, I know. And then Grogu looks at Ahsoka, kind of like, I've propped Ooh, up. Oh, I know him. Ahsoka looks at him. It's my daddy. And then he goes back to being sad. So I think Ahsoka's confirming his death to Grogu. Mm, that's like kind brutal. of a little headcanon there. But that se- that seems pretty reasonable. But I guess that's why I really love this concept of. I think honestly, holistically, the concept of Force Ghosts have been notoriously underused in mm. mainstream Star Wars. Okay. Um, in novelizations, it's been fantastically used in mainstream Star Wars on the big screen, and The Mandalorian to me counts as a big screen because it's just mm-hmm. as mainstream as literally anything else you can name. Yeah. It's It's been just so criminally underused. So I would love the concept of Anakin showing up, Obi-Wan showing up. And I really don't care because at that point it's, yeah, okay, if Anakin shows up, you're like, I'm super thrilled because whoop, Anakin. But at the same point, it's like, it's not overladen in the show because Anakin's not going to walk around with him all day. Because it's showing, mm-hmm. here's a connection to the Force Ghost. And I'd prefer someone more like Qui-Gon Jinn would be probably my second choice under Yoda. Because Yoda, you know, just the connection's too cool. And every time you see Yoda, it's just such a it, good moment it, in it, Star Wars. Clearly, Grogu has a connection to Yoda. Right. So I would prefer it was someone, you know, it has to be to me someone from 
the prequels. It has to be. I mean, Qui-Gon Jinn would have been there when Grogu showed up at the temple. Um, Obi-Wan would have been there, but he would have been probably young when he showed up. Um, he would have been a Padawan himself, so there's a chance, you know, there's some crossover right there. So, and that's, that's kind of what is a lot of people are just like, this is, I don't know how I feel about this with, you know, Grogu being at the temple. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, we always, we always have this question, well, why the hell did Anakin kill him, right? Because he's freaking adorable? Right, but if he was being trained, then everyone would have known about him. Agreed. Like, he would have been in classes with Qui-Gon, Ahsoka, Anakin. He would have been in those classes. Like, mm-hmm. People would have known about this kid. So. But, yeah, the one thing is, the Jedi were not, you know, they didn't do really a head count. And I'm sure Grogu might have been especially striking, known, knowing the fact that there's only two other known species of his type at all in all of Star Wars. So I'm sure he was particularly known. However, I would imagine, and this is totally some headcanon here, but I would, I kind of imagine that Grogu might have got a little special treatment given the fact that he ages and develops at a incredibly slow rate. Where, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you got brought to the temple at age, that's totally in front of your camera, at age like, you know, 30, you know, 20, whatever, right? And he was there for 20 some odd years. I mean, he's still here. Here he is 30 years after that as a child, still a toddler. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had special, you know, if he traveled around, had more companionship than necessarily the other Padawans. Ooh, and then yeah. for that reason, it wouldn't be surprising that these really young Padawans, not the ones that we see Anakin, you know, kill. Right. But like, because the, the, there's kids younger than that, because they take the kids at two and three, right? Mm-hmm. So there's kids that are way younger than what we see. Right. I mean, and he was killing younglings. He wasn't killing like the creeds, you know? Right, for like sure. The ones in the clan. Which is would be what we're seeing, about. probably what Baby Yoda would be up to, or Grogu would be up to. Mm-hmm. Or I kind of when have the headcanon. What? Is it Master and Apprentice that we first see the clans? In canon, yes. Okay. So. And then Andrew Kesha was saying that possibility of Anakin appearing is just through a uh, Force Ghost. And I think, you know, like with that concept, you know, and I don't, Anakin's honestly like my probably lowest choice. Yeah, like I don't, I don't want, if I want anyone as a Force Ghost, it's, I want it to be Yoda. Right. Yoda really makes the most sense species wise. I mean, character wise, he would definitely have the closest relationship. Qui Gon Jinn to me is just such a master of communicating the Force. Mm-hmm. The, of course, I mean, I just love him there. Um, but, like, I, I look at it in terms of who else has shown up as a Force ghost, and the most prominent one is Yoda. Right. He comes up in a world between, a world between worlds, not like the episode world, but, you know, when mm-hmm. Ezra's in a world between worlds, you know, right. that, in the temple, and then in the well, last he's alive world. at that point, but yeah. I mean, yeah, he's technically, I would say, hmm. I would say it's like a version of that, you know? I mean, I know he's alive, but... Right. That's fair. Uh, I mean, I'll give it to you. Like, I wasn't showing up there. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. Like... But I guess the... I think it'd be cool just because... So, um, Qui-Gon Jinn, the backstory on him is, of course, that he he dies, and he's the first person to have really figured out how to come back as a Force ghost and how to preserve his consciousness through the Force. And, you know, he, he hears voice in Episode 2. Um, trying to stop Anakin. It's very cool, very cool. Just second right there. And then 
Yoda mentions, hey, while you're in exile, you need to be talking to your master, and Qui-Gon Jinn will train you basically how to, you know, continue on with life and be your only friend, basically, for the next 20 years, mm-hmm. but also teach you how to, you know, preserve your consciousness like Yoda, like Qui-Gon Jinn helped Yoda discover. But in the From a Certain Point of View novel, where the first use of Master and Apprentice and regards to Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan show up, there's one little short chapter there and it talks about it's a very cool sequence between obi-wan and qui-gon jinn and it's right after owen and Beru have been killed so it's before it's his last talk together and obi-wan mentions that qui-gon at that moment has appeared pretty much fully corporal so kind of confirming that for the longest time qui-gon jinn actually was never able to fully form like we see at the end of episode six you know all those jedis doing like you know in their full physical form but he was been able to... Don't we see him in the Clone Wars as a Force ghost? Kind of, because that's more of like a weird vision, because it's on... Mortar. Yeah, and that planet's jacked up. That never counted before. Mm. So that was the connection, was that he actually appeared fully corporal there um, on Tatooine, and it was the first time... And Obi-Wan mentions this is the first time he's ever seen him like that. So it would be kind of cool to see, you know, like... It'd be cool to see Liam Neeson kind of, you know, come back like that. But you freaked out there for a second. Yeah, sorry. I was kind of in my own head about the whole, you know, Yoda and the War Between Worlds thing. Mm-hmm. Astral projection. When he appears to Ahsoka. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's actually where I thought you were going at first. <laughs> and then you went jump yeah, to War Between Worlds and a World Between... Uh... A World Between Worlds. World Between Worlds. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I was like, War Between Worlds. No? That sounds like a good movie or something, but... (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's just a little slow tonight. But yeah, so Yoda's the obvious choice. But I do think Qui-Gon Jinn would be a neat second. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's realistically all I'd want. But I mean, I'd still like, you know, flip out for Obi-Wan. And I I wouldn't think it would be out of place. I don't think it'd be too out of place. And to me, I would even not be opposed to Qui-Gon and Yoda showing up, you know, because I really think the concept of a Force co- Council is crim- is just not used enough. Mm-hmm. That was really my biggest hope for Episode Nine. Above anything else, is it would see a Council of Force users, you know, beyond the grave type, you know, Luke Skywalker, Yoda, etc., all just kind of, you know, guiding Rey and Leia, but. Whatever, I wasn't in charge of nine. It's fine. I would have done a fantastic job, but whatever. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think moving on from this is when we first saw the slave one in Boba Fett. I was skeptical. Okay. Like you, I mean, you and Cody were like, and I'm over like, hmm. I don't right. know how I feel about this. Of course. Because, like I said, I've never been, like I've never been a big fan of Boba Fett. I thought he was annoying in the Clone Wars, and I thought it was just I mean, I think he's just overrated. Okay, me. I do think he's definitely been the most overhyped character of all time. But yeah, agreed. Like I don't I don't understand how he's some people's favorite character, but I mean I mean, some people don't understand how Thrawn is my favorite character. Right. I mean, but I was really happy with the way they executed it. Like I did, like I expected, kind of be like a showdown kind of deal. Like you have my armor, give it back. But he was, he was civil about. It. He was so civilized. Like 
I just want my daughter armor and I'll protect you and the child. Right. And I'm like, that didn't go how I planned. No, I thought that was kind of the coolest twist because, I mean, I I definitely, along with uh, I, countless people, assumed that there would probably be some sort of showdown between Mando and Boba Fett because Boba mm-hmm. Fett has typically been typecast as a bad character. You know, he's always on the wrong side, right? What's up, Emperor? Yeah, he's How kind of like an anti-hero. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a bounty hunter at the end of the day. Usually the bad guys need bounty hunters. It seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have been surprising to me, but the fact that he was like, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. The fact that he used that line flipped out. Yeah. Very, very well done. Because it was so cool, but it wasn't like stupid cheesy. Like, it was just really cool. It, it flowed well. It really did. And the fact, you know, he referenced his father. And it was very much like, I just want my armor. My armor is my dad's. And Boba Fett has always been such a worshiper of his dad's image type of deal. So very much of like, nope, I just that need... The entire time I'm just like picturing him like holding the helmet to his head right it was it was so well done and so true to boba fett's character and how it should have been i think Mm -hmm. so that was really cool to me and the fact that they retconned george lucas that he's a foundling oh my gosh that blew my mind made me so happy because literally i've been saying this he is not he's mandalorian but he's not a mandalorian you know he's not mandalorian blood so if you do not know this, um, the story behind it, um, George Lucas specifically kind of came out. He assisted with a lot of the Clone Wars, um, but he specifically kind of came out to handle an episode that dealt with Mandalorians and dealt with specifically Jango Fett. Because in popular Legends comic, Jango Fett was found by Mandalorians and uh, was raised as a foundling, very much like you know Mando was. He fought in uh, Mandalorian Civil War, and the person who was his dad mm-hmm. ended up dying, I believe. And it was it was a big deal, and Jango Fett actually gained a lot of respect as a Mandalorian, as a foundling. Now George Lucas kind of came and specifically made a point to say that um, in an episode they had mentioned Jango Fett. They mentioned Jango Fett and they're like, hey, is Jango Fett one of yours? Speaking to kind of the people of Mandalorian and that one of the, the senators or something? I'm trying to remember who specifically says it. But this they, is in the Clone Wars, right? It is in the Clone Wars, yeah. I think it's, I want to say Death Watch. I was like, I think it's, I was like, it's not Satine, so I'm guessing it's Death Watch, because I know it's this guy. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's Death Watch, and Death Watch specifically goes out to say, I don't know who Jango Fett is, but I know he's not a Mandalorian. And that was a really big deal just because of that legend story that was kind of the only backdrop we had for Jango Fett. Yeah, which kind of brings the question is, because you look up on Wikipedia, like, canon for Mm -hmm. the Fets, and it says they're from Concord Dawn. Right. So, so I wonder how that's going to play out now that they just revealed this. Like, what's going to happen with all that information that was previously canon? Like, I mean, and it still could very well be, mm-hmm. like, raised. Like, I mean, from Concord Dawn, like, they're not be born there or anything, but... Right. Could be. And then this is... Uh, Jango Fett specifically was one of the reasons I took issue with the EU. Of course, I was an avid reader of uh, Legends lore and the Expanded Universe. However, I really struggled with um, Jango Fett and Boba Fett because there was so much conflicting material between comics and novelizations. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things is Jango Fett was actually highly respected. The other thing was um, Jango Fett had stolen armor and was a disgraced like kind of Mandalorian. I don't remember if he was specifically Mandalorian, but he was disgraced. Mandalores hated him. 
Um, mm-hmm. He was just despised type of deal. And then Boba Fett years later is able to actually restore his father's name and is, I think, even becomes ruler of Mandalore in one comic, which is actually a super cool twist because he ends up coming back and he, he leaves it to go, you know, continue on because that's not really who he is. But he restores mm-hmm. his father's name and like it's a big deal where Boba Fett is a honored Mandalorian where he's um, a very big deal to the Mandalorians. I think, I think so I thought really that was kind of a cool switch. With the armor. Mm, the chain code and the mm-hmm. armor. That was such a unique... I've mm-hmm. never seen anything like that, of course. Right. But that was and cool. It was like a freaking ancestry chart. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. They He hits his button, pulls it up, and, it, and I guess it was... It had his dad, and then it had, you know, it had Django and Boba, and it seemed to have some sort of connection to the guy who found his dad, because uh, Din Djarin was able to say, you're a foundling, just based off of looking at that armor right there. Like, kind of realizing the connection immediately. So I'm and sure I, there's a little bit more. Yeah. And going back to that relationship between the two, is I really like how respectful Boba was. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you can tell he brought up that chain code to be like, hey, I'm not stealing this. Right. This is my armor. This is this is this. I'm just showing you out of respect. Mm-hmm. I'm not just stealing your arm, like this armor that you got. Right, and I thought that was super cool, and that was you know one of the things that happens like in in the legends where Boba Fett was super respectful of Mandalorian culture, and hence why he ends mm-hmm. up being super respected. But you know he comes there, he shoots at Mando real quick, and he's like, "Hey, let's talk this out. I really just want my mar- armor." And Mando's like, mm-hmm. "Nope, that only mm-hmm. belongs to Mandalorians, right?" And Boba Fett's like hey, like, I'm a Mandalorian, that armor's mine, it was my father's, etc. Which was cool because I think that was, it was definitely a confirmation that Boba Fett's armor was Jango Fett's armor. Mm-hmm. You know, I had always kind of had, like, parts of that question, like, how, like, you know, was it based off of his father's design? But, like, no, it's actually his father's, okay. That was cool to Wait, me. Really? I was just, I was, like, I knew it was his father's. Like, was that not a widespread thing? I think it was pretty common, but, like I said, way too much Legends lore in my head where Boba Fett mimics stuff type of deal. Because in, mm-hmm. in Legends, at one point, Jango Fett's armor wasn't Beskar at all. And then mm-hmm. Jango Fett is given an armor of Beskar after he um, is you know given respect for Mandalorian. And it's based off of, he chooses to base it off of his father's armor. Because, again, that respect mm-hmm. to his dad thing. So, just can, confirmation for the Legends. <laughs> yeah. But I thought cool. it was super cool. Like They definitely have done such a good job showing the Mandalorian culture. And of course, it's it's ever evolving through new Star Wars mediums. But I think you know, going back to like Kotor, how much you see like Mandalorian culture in Kotor one and Kotor two, mm-hmm. and how it's you know it's so it's a very respectful culture, but you know very, um, uh, I'm thinking of Chinese culture right now, but like it's very like, uh, you know, very respectful and like it's easy to, like, kind of lose face. So you have to be careful with, like, certain traditions type of deal, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of it like it's like a mixture of Death Watch and the Pacifist. Okay. Like, they have that respect, but they're still respecting the past. Mm-hmm. That's like, they've kind of forged the two and mm-hmm. they put them together. It's definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting, and I'm hoping we get to see more of a clarification as Mandalorian goes on to see, like, you know, what exactly is Mando? You know what I mean. He obviously has he obviously has the Death Watch symbol, but like, is it actually still Death Watch? Or I mean, I mean, and that symbol's not exclusively Death Watch. That's just what most people associate it with, right? Mm-hmm. 
as we've mentioned yeah, it's, before. Uh, Clan Vizsla. It's the Clan Vizsla, but right, Clan Vizsla. So most people associated with Death Watch, given the Clone Wars, but it doesn't necessarily mean Death Watch. It just means a specific clan. So mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see, like you know, hey, is he Death Watch? Is he one of the you know the original you know, the Mandalorians who are obsessed with the original Mandalorian way type of deal? Yeah, that's why I'm not so convinced. Like everyone was like Death Watch, Death Watch, Death Watch, Death Watch, but I'm more leaning towards the way of the ancient. Right. Mandalorians of that separate group who went off, who didn't want to be a part of Death Watch, wasn't looking for revenge, and I like that's what I think it is. I mean, it, I mean, I, I definitely could be wrong, but I mean, right. just the way he acts and the things that he says about just like the old Mandalorian ways, it just makes sense. It definitely doesn't feel Death Watch. It does feel definitely like you're saying, like um, the way of the ancients, where they're we're obsessed with the traditional Mandalorian way but not necessarily being super aggressive about it. Yeah, and it's it's more it's probably better to say the old Mandalorians because that's what they're called. Right. The old Mandalorians, that's what I was gonna say. But I think at the end of the day this was a very interesting episode and it leaves you on of course a cliffhanger with the child kidnapped poor Grogu and they flick and take out the Darksaber just to like screw with you, whatever that was about. It was so good. Um, but it was it, it was fantastic all around, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, Boba Fett was handled fantastically well. Uh, so good, honestly. He looked fan he looked great. Watching Tomorrow Marson just beat people up with that stick that uh, he was carrying that was from uh, the Tuscan Raiders, which is also kind of cool because that's how he dies by accident, you know. Now just straight up wrecking people with that staff. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that, you know, he did end up saving Fennec Shan? Um. Sean? Mulan, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> saving Mulan. Um, that was really cool. And then I thought it was cool, you know, she kind of owes a life debt to him. And then, honestly, it's really kind of like the team-up of team-ups that I've wanted for the Mandalorian all along. And I, I wasn't ever mm -hmm. explicit, explicitly hoping for a Boba Fett Mandalorian team up or Mando team up, but at the same time, I was just really hoping for some badass bounty hunters getting together, doing some badass okay. things. And that's what it was. So, a great episode, and I'm absolutely distraught that it was only 30 minutes and probably even sadder that this was chapter 14 out of chapter 16. So only two left and we can just hope they're freaking long but they're not going to be long enough is the answer so if you want to come hang out with us and check up with us during the week we have that's mallory of analyzing star wars on instagram i'm logan of star wars doctrine pretty much everywhere twitch youtube facebook insta twitter whatever <laughs> so come hang out have a great time and hope that grogu's safe thanks for hanging out guys and hope you have a wonderful evening I guess it's daytime for most everyone now, but may the force be with you. And till next time, everybody. May the warriors work and be with you.